got to get my nightgown. <laughs> I got a nightgown right just for ginning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I go over to Roman's house and gin with him in my nightgown, <laughs> there's some swinging then. <laughs> man, I just thought that it would be fun to say, man, I would be, that's some, I would be all, all in, mm. all the time, Alan Alda. <laughs> <laughs> what? I would be all in. All in. Okay. Well, oh, yeah, okay. Anyway, I, 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 all gin? All the time. <laughs> uh, you guys are going to drink gin and watch MASH? Is that what he's saying? Yeah. I'm sorry. i got to keep workshopping that one. Two days. I thought it would have gone better. <laughs> Two days. There'll be some mashing. But every time... Oh, yeah. Some every time mashing. one of us has to dress as Clinger, though. So. What's that? Corporal Clinger. Yeah. Oh. MASH joke. I wear a nightgown. Jeff, okay, he well, was clearly clean. not all in all the time. <laughs> <laughs> when you put this uh, this podcast together, this piece of art, this yeah. piece of art together, can you Photoshop in the Mash theme song whenever we make a Mash joke? How does that one Photoshop. go? And it's a very good number. Uh, Photoshop is a visual thing, though. Uh, whatever, whatever little computer <laughs> thing you I've seen you use Photoshop. Yeah, music shop it. Okay. Yeah. So you guys want to shop? Okay. There, there's there's the trivia. You know what the Hair you know what that song is called? Suicide is painless. Right. There's lyrics, but they're not in the show. But. Through early morning fog, I see oh, visions you know of the things to be. The pain that something maybe still awaits for me. I realize and I can see that suicide is painless. It brings on many changes, and I can take or leave it if I want. That suicide is painless. It brings on many changes And I can take or leave it If I please Reminds me of ninth grade yeah. English class with Mr. Wallenberg Reminds me of laying up in my top bunk at uh, seventh grade night Listening to that song on repeat trying to go to bed What am I? <laughs> <laughs> huh. Man, this we, is for we that still discover podcast uh, we, bits that get cut. Yeah, we yeah. well, no, we Wallenberg, I know you're out there. I mean, we're still <laughs> discovering little things about each other we that we didn't know all these years later. Big mash head. Mm. Pointing at myself right now. Yeah. Mash yeah. guy. He's Big one of those uh, I like bonanza. <laughs> get the fuck. Dun, dun, Go back to I like bananas. podcast at the comics place in bellingham washington where it's all justin all the time baby it shows up and it's just nothing but justin look at those levels that's high volume where every tuesday we pick up a bunch of comic books it's, we high, have octane, a it's high octane justin cast <laughs> just in case you missed it it's justin cast um <laughs> Where every Tuesday, Justin comes with us to pick up the books, and Justin sorts those books, and we watch him sort them. And then we edit the book, we <laughs> record the books, with the butt, we talk about them in the room. Whatever. Books, books, books. Comic books. Spoilers. And going. I'm Jeff, and I'm bubbling over with emotion because to my right, in his uh, normal seat, is uh, Justin Cassatt. But I, spoilers. Sorry. I did more intros than I should. It's like the buckshot last week. Fuck. I'm Django. 
I went over time on Shield last week. Is what I was talking over about. Over time on Shield. You oh, that was bug great. And then I just went for ten minutes and that cut all great. of it out. Did you really? No, I cut some of it out though. Oh, a good God. portion of it out. Man, I really want to. I'm Django, <laughs> and I'm not Justin. <laughs> I'm no Justin. Mm, no Justin. No Justin. Just old man. No Justice Justin or no Justice. Justin. <laughs> I'm Roman, and I, I'm I'm covered in Justin sim- symbiote right now. Symbiote. Symbiote. Yeah. symbiote. Get the symbiote off me. Symbiote. I'm I'm Justin, and I'm making sweet, sweet symbiote <laughs> with these comic book boys. Uh, listen, we're going to spoil some comics, so yeah, if you haven't are. read them, you should uh, read them or, you know, proceed at your own risk. Tonight, today, this week, whenever you're listening to <laughs> right it. Right now. Nowza. Um, <clears throat> nowza. Nowza. We're going to talk about Venom. Number one, No Justice. Number one, huh. uh, Michael Cray. Number seven, Isola. Number two, and Batman White Knight. Number eight of eight, and probably some buckshots. A little buckshot here, a little buckshot there. Most of them are going to wax poetic about uh, you know how great life is uh, upon Justin's return. And buck- he showed up. <laughs> he bought a house. He brought his new dog. He has. <laughs> His fiance with him. All of the paperwork. Bought a whip. Order. He got that new <laughs> car. He yeah. drove up with it. He's staying. <laughs> it's true. I'm starting a cooking show. <laughs> yeah. So he's staying in Bellingham. He's not coming back to the store, but he has got a really sweet live gig doing a sort of up the stand up cooking thing. Mm-hmm. Plastic surgery. Looking sharp. I don't know why he needed it. Nope. But his nope. nose is three times as big now. I yep. wanted those luscious lips. For Roman. You can't, Mm-mm. you didn't see it, but he was pouting them. <laughs> yeah. With his new lips. Powdering them. You can probably hear it on the levels. It's the smacking of my sweet, sweet new plastic lips. Oh, I can't wait to get up to our special swing. Mm. <laughs> 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 it's a real swing. Is that a euphemism? It's a swing. <laughs> no, it's a real, it's an actual swing. Oh, that one. It's I forgot. It's Justin sorry. swing, yeah. And it's normal. It's like a normal swing. Justin's yeah. got lifts in his cowboy boots. He's looking taller. I, he didn't even have cowboy boots when he left. No, he didn't. But I can't get these ones off. <laughs> Your skin turned into to cowhide. Well, yeah, that was part side. of the plastic surgery, I guess. These are my cowboy symbiotes. <laughs> Symboots. Oh, Symboots. And in spirit, as always, is Braden Smith. Uh, every time we Bourbon. try to be silly, uh, we're literally pouring beer onto the carpet for you, Braden. <laughs> we need that carpet guy. We really do need to clean the carpet because after Free Comic Book Day, oh Django, you spilt two big beverages in the same spot. Yeah, yeah, within inches of each other. That was my first action at Free Comic Book Day was to <laughs> smack my keyboard across the desk into my coffee, pouring an entire cup of coffee behind all the shelves. Speaking of bananas, look at how long Venom's tongue is. Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, <laughs> J.P. Mayer, and Frank Martin... Number one. Can I can I stop us before we break? Please. Not to judge a book by its cover. Sure. But, but if you were going to? Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. All right. So here's Venom standing on the classic uh, gargoyle you go to scream on. You ever want to shout out the world? You get up there on that gargoyle. It's That's Batman's the, it's, gargoyle. Uh, yeah. It's everyone's gargoyle. And he looks really intimidating with his veins and his muscles. But look at his feet. Oh, there ain't none. He just looks like he's about to dance. Mmm. Like, you picture that Powerline song you've been playing. Like, if you listen. I gotta stop singing and quoting it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, songs on this. It's, he's about to break into the theme from Rant or something. Yeah, he doesn't seem so menacing. You guys. In that fancy <laughs> pose. That's just, okay. 
let's not beat around the symbiote here. Mm -hmm. We all know who's got an opinion about this book, and it's Django, resident Venom guy. Quote, Django Boren, quote, Venom guy, unquote. What did you think? Uh, I really like this book. I mean, I like the art. I like the writing. I think they went together well. <laughs> uh, I, th- so How do you feel about the character perfect work? Perfect. <laughs> the first page. Did you guys see the first page there? Yeah. yeah. Are those guys wearing Magneto helmets? Where? What are you talking about? I the think very it's first medieval page. times. It's medieval times, but those are Magneto helmets, and it's in a dream. So maybe, maybe well, the symbiote is confused because it's a symbiote's dream, right? Can I offer you a counter? Yeah. Do you think that? In addition to writing Magneto, like a sort of Victorian, Shakespearean, medieval, big European-sounding guy, they maybe also base some of his armor off of medieval and older-looking armor. Yes. And and maybe maybe the cart is, in fact, in front of the horse. I, I could see that. It seems weird to to focus on those particular helmets in a Marvel book, though. Do symbiotes dream of symbiotic sheep? Yes. Black sheep covered in symbiotes. <laughs> See, the thing is, I always thought Magne- Magneto's no. helmet was no. a talking guy. Uh, and no. I do want to take this moment to remind everybody that Roman does, in fact, refer to Magneto as Magneto. Always have, always will. You want to Photoshop uh, the correct pronunciation? <laughs> There's no A in Neto. Thanus told oh. me it's Magneto. It's pronounced Tanus. Well, I always thought his helmet was based on, I don't know, some Anglo-Saxon helmet. But these guys are Norse. These are Norsemen, so I was a little wondering about that myself. The, yeah. the, the helmet motif here. I don't know. That's that's a lot of time on the helmets. It just jumped out to me as, <laughs> as helmets. I, I, All right, now we're going to start page two. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is the other podcast we're doing. So basically it seems like maybe Venom has older versions of himself out there or like a cursed Venom that's been around for a long time. And... Eddie Brock They've always been doesn't here. really know what to do with this. Um, he is really, just really ugly in this book. Venom or Eddie? Eddie. Is it the hair? He is looking pretty ugly, especially in these pages where he's like in front of the mirror and his mm-hmm. hair is all long. He looks like Sabretooth. He looks he a does. lot like Sabretooth. I liked it. I, I agree. <laughs> I like the way he looks. I really love the art. So, speaking of the art. Yes. It... I, I really liked it too. I don't think there was a single page that I thought was that seemed like seemed rushed or not good, but it changed a lot. And it's it's Ryan Stegman throughout, right? And the first the first two pages are a dream sequence, they're a little bit painterly. But then after that we've got some pretty heavy Joe Casada influence, is what it looks like to me. And then some of the pages look a little bit like uh, uh, Capullo. Oh, I liked it, but it didn't seem like the same artist it's throughout. It's definitely it like a bunch of really good ones. The least looking Ryan Stegman art I've ever seen. He was most recently. Well, he was doing this book recently, and he did like a bunch of Superior Spider-Man stuff. Yeah, I don't know. The inking and the coloring in this is really cool. I'm like, it's so grimy. Page seven or whatever. That's the first shot of Venom being Venom with webs yeah. flying around and his. His webs look like McFarlane webs when McFarlane started drawing webs, and you're like, man, I bet it took a long time to draw that. And the rain looks like barnacles. Yeah, barnacle <laughs> rain. Dwayne comes down like barnacles <laughs> on my skin. 
I'm not much of a Marvel Universe guy, but, <laughs> but I really like this. But I keep guy. liking some yeah. some of these Marvel Universe books. So I have a lot. I have a lot on this. Justin Roman, do you guys also have a lot on this? I don't have a lot. A lot like writing on this. I mean, like I've got a lot <laughs> of p- pennies in this oink bank. This. <laughs> I don't know if I do. But I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'm giving everybody a chance to get it out before right. I say all my stuff. Jeff's gonna spit some pennies into your oink I'm bank. Yeah. Some, well, you want to put some pennies my, in my I'm mouth first? It's a head scratcher for me. <laughs> I didn't really get it. <laughs> to quote a poet. <laughs> so we got the symbiote, and the symbiote's acting really funky, like it's, it's sick symbiote. or something. Yeah, sorry, the symbiote, <laughs> if you've seen the Venom trailer. It's scared, right? The symbiote is scared yeah. for some reason. Um, and we basically, this older guy finds Eddie halfway through the book and Aww. like ties him up or some business. Slack Joe um, And he, he Slack Joe Hulahan ties him up. Oh, it's scared like Hulk is in the Avengers movie. Yeah, and I have feelings about that as well, but um, <laughs> they tie him up in, like, this heat room, and there's, like, loud sounds, so clearly this person knows about symbiotes, <laughs> and he starts asking Eddie, like, you got this symbiote? And he's like, yeah, my other, and all this business. Um, and Eddie's like, I know a bunch about these symbiotes. And the guy's like, really, do you? And he even says, like, he says, do you even know its name? And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Because in reality, we've had this, like, Venom's been around forever. And we've been slowly personifying this symbiote more, symbiote more and more. Um, but it's it seemed, like, parasitic almost in the fact yeah. that it's been gaining. And we actually don't know much about it. And so that's just, like, a really interesting Donny Cates way, I feel, of introducing an interesting concept that you're like, oh, yeah. That's true. There's probably a lot of information about this thing. We assumed that when we started seeing it was the beginning of it. But I really like that portion of it. I don't like how, like, whiny, needy it seems in it. Like, yeah. That seems like a newer take on the symbiote, but bio, but more, like, before this book as well. Like, it was, it's it's been happening, but it's... I don't know. Like, Venom to me is, like, scary, and it makes this bigger guy even scarier. I don't remember Venom being so, or, I guess, yeah, this the symbiote being so chatty. Like, I think they were trying to establish that it has more of a mind of its own, so he was just saying a lot of stuff. I think it's been getting chatty. Yeah. Right? Like, in the last two or three years. Even, yeah, like, when he came back, because Jango's been having us read all the Venom books yeah. in the last, like, year and a half. <laughs> he has, like, he has when all the issues. came back and all By that. the way... You're welcome. Because <laughs> this would have blown by us <laughs> if Django had not been on the Kate's Watch and the Venom Watch. Um, the Kate's Gate. The Kate's Gate. Venom, or yeah, Django is, of course, doing his Kate's Gatekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you really think you like Donnie Gates? <laughs> well, have you, have you read Paybacks? Um, I like v- the symbiote being scared. By yeah. I like it. I like it because it's such a badass monster thing that is really kind of overpowered and overconfident in everything. It really has one weakness, right? Sound and fire. <clears throat> Is fire one of its weaknesses? Yeah. So, I mean, I yeah, of course, we knew that. <laughs> we passed the test. <laughs> He's yeah. Kate's gatekeeping. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it's hard to scare or mess with the symbiote. And it's... You know, having it symbiotes. Symbiotes. <laughs> symbiotes. That's a breakfast cereal. It's... Uh, it being scared 
means that whoever is scaring it is a true badass. Yeah. And it, for it to be something ancient, I don't love that, but I think that that's really the only thing you can do to actually scare the, the monster. So I guess that's my question. How do you guys feel about this? Like, he's basically retconning and creating a huge change in the history of, of this thing, of the bendo. Well, it's that change plus uh, old Slackjaw Louie or whatever you called it <laughs> was, uh, was in this <laughs> army unit called the, what was it, the Sim Corps? Yeah, the, the Slack the, Corps. The, the, the Slack Daddy Corps, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about maybe hinting that there's been predecessors of Venom, of symbiotes on Earth and maybe it's part of a government program. Because how does that change the the the, the symbiote's origin? Because is its origin still in the comics that it came from Battle World during Secret, the first Secret Gotta Wars? Be, right? It yeah. was just it was there, supposedly a, yeah. well, it was supposedly Spider Man found it in like this machine lab machine that creates a new costume. costume. It was it was making replacement costumes and enhancing everybody, right? And that one happened to have the Venom suit in it. Yeah, if I remember right. Yeah, because the cartoon well, I think they're trying is different. to span it out to be like these aliens have been around for a long right. time, and it's not the only time they've seeded Earth. And maybe the Beyonder got a hold of it before and yeah. was like checking out that sick symbiote tech. Um, Django, what's your favorite incarnation or take on Venom? Eric Larson. Good answer. Do you like like a chatty venom? Do you like a quiet menacing venom? Do you like a tonguey venom? Do you like a teethy venom? Do you like a baby teethy venom? I Do you like say, rows of teethy venom? I would say Eric Larson. I like that answer. On a scale That's a good answer. Okay. okay. I, I don't <laughs> if if I'm gonna be completely honest, I like the way Venom looks a lot. I don't really care about the character or who's in the suit or <laughs> like any of the characterization. That's it's interesting to see people play with that. But what draws me to Venom is that picture of Venom <laughs> holding Spider-Man's skull yes. on Amazing Spider-Man, yeah, yeah. like three forty-two or whatever it is. And when you first saw that, you said, like, "Give me every cover with this guy on it." Yeah. Preferably so what you're telling me is it's sort of like Justin. It's sort of like trying. It's being asked to pick your favorite child. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. how can I? Yeah. Pick yeah. my favorite. Benjamin. My chatty one. <laughs> oh, my, my favorite of my children. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? I thought you meant just like in the whole world. Like, there's Who's a lot of cool kids out there. There's a lot of good kids. <laughs> I really like. I like Rowan. Echo. He's a pretty cool Rowan's kid. Good. Rowan's yeah. yeah, Echo's what, a cool kid. What like, about like a little baby Eddie Brock? Oh. <laughs> I give this book an eight, and that story <laughs> hook a nine point three. That is salsa. I give this book a seven and a half. It's not the best Venom book I've ever seen. But he knows him. If it had that Spider-Man <laughs> cover, it'd have a ten. <laughs> I'll give it a seven point seven and a half. Also, and, you know, I'll read the next one. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a seven. I haven't been really. I really like Benham. Bendo. Bendham. Um, but I've never been too intrigued by him, except for as like an opponent to Spider-Man. I've yeah. As a kid, I've grabbed like any Venom book that I could, and I didn't really buy the Lethal Protector. I've never enjoyed a Venom book except for when he's. So I guess to answer your question, Roman, yeah, maybe he needs Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, what a good, what, what a good Venom Bennett. What a good Venom Bennett. <laughs> what were Raiden's thoughts on Free Comic Book Day? No, on just Bendo. I think he liked Free Comic on Book Bendo. Day. 
Um, he hasn't read Bendo yet. Okay. But he did read No Justice. I don't know what Bendo is. Which is exactly Bendo. where we're going to be tomorrow know. with No Justins. Scott Snyder, Joshua Williamson, Jimmy T, IV, Francis Manipole. Starro. Starro on this issue. <laughs> did you guys feel like maybe Scott Snyder said, Source Wall's broken for Justice Leagues, top billing, and then walked away from this project? I could yes. feel that. <laughs> I that's my I guess my complaint at this point is like we don't get a Scott Snyder book anymore. We get like Scott Snyder at all. And yeah. it's just like he's the first researcher on the research paper and therefore he gets all the credit, but it's been a long time. I guess Metal is the the exception. It feels like that was him, but just those yep. six main issues um, and they all only had his name on them. Yeah, but you can tell halfway through he was like high on those Grant Morrison ideas that he inhaled with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just want him to throw me a little Snyder's pretzel, you know, mm. in here and get a little, feel a little bit more like Scott Snyder. This, yeah, because I'm getting a little bit of a <clears throat> cosmic Hanover. Yeah, <laughs> Snyder's of Hanover. <laughs> Snyder's of Hanover. I get. I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Pretzel. Pretzel. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> there. Yeah, there was. Oh man, I think maybe this. I don't know. I wish I had the experience of not having the history of comic books I do, so I could know what it's like to just read this and as an introductory comic and introduction to these characters, maybe. Because I felt like there's way too much exposition, way too much obvious, like Satana saying, Oh, I don't even like teams, and all of them explain defining themselves. Uh, well, they almost had to do that. So I think we're an exception where we know a little bit about almost all of these characters. Yeah. But even so, like five characters in here that I don't really know or understand or frankly care about. Dr. Fate has a helmet and he's really cool. I don't know how to read Beast Boy. Yeah. Or any of any Titan ever, basically, with the exception of Nightwing. I don't know what those voices sound like. Um which is I think so. Which is kind of tough. I so the idea is that the source wall broke during metal, and because of that, there are ultimate evils outside behind the source wall. And Brainiac has realized that instead of just building a garbage team of Justice League metahumans, they need to... Math it out. Math it out and have each team the most optimal version of that team to go up against these four different types of super bad guys. Yeah, basically. Right? Is that right? That's right. Yeah, and basically this introduces the Celestials to the DC Universe. They're ancient... Giant mechanical-looking gods, basically, that came to come to different planets and seed things genetically, and then they like, come back and they do a Galactus number and eat the planet that represents the what were the four? There's four cosmic forces. <laughs> four <laughs> cosmic forces, and that's one of my complaints with this, which is that, and I, I like it. I like it. I'm not like I like the cosmic force it. idea, but each team Brainiac says represents each one of these forces. Yeah, and it's their Omega Titans: entropy, wisdom, wonder, and mystery. And they refer they to all it. bleed into each. They don't. They're not distinct enough for me to really. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah I mean, wonder and mystery. There's a lot of overlap there. Yeah. He describes them as like the four fundamental energies of the universe, or that all life has. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And it, that made me, as I was reading that, I was like, I think. Grant Morrison would have at least written some explanation as to why those are the four. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
you know, well, like the four elements are done so much where yeah. they're trying to branch away, and then I don't know, it seems kind of muddled. I mean, I like wonder and mystery; those things are awesome, but they're kind of the same thing. And wisdom's kind of the understanding or acceptance of mystery and wonder. I'm not and, <clears throat> complaining about it, but it did force me to just sort of say like. Okay, like I can either <laughs> disagree with this or I can agree with this, and I will agree with it, and and it allowed me to enjoy it. Like I like it because I want a Justice League book, and I want all these characters, and I want them to have a threat that is large enough to warrant all of them being together. But it was just sort of like, oh, okay, I'll I'll believe this to get this. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. I was like, well, what are these here for? Oh, so I have four giant super cosmic Omega Titans. I was like, well, I want those. So yeah. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll get a mystery. And I, didn't, and I didn't understand why at the end of what, however much time goes, millennia goes by, an Omega Titan comes and whichever planet has most embodied, say, wonder, the wonder Titan then eats that planet and absorbs all that wonder. And I was like, but why? It's like the planet is ripe. <laughs> yeah, the planet like is ripe. Peach, and why? Would but if you you're the embodiment the of the, but thing, if you're the embodiment of that, the why would you need to <clears throat> absorb the most of that thing? Because why would you represent that? And why are you like calling a team of characters that embody those things to face that thing? Isn't that going to nourish it? Like, aren't you like? It's just going to eat. Here's your Lobo. sweet macros, bro. Like, I, yeah. I have this super sweet protein bowl for you. I guess when when somebody. So Grant Morrison does this kind of thing, and he does it really well, I think. I think so, too. It, sometimes it, it seems a little too wanky to me, but, but a lot of times he pulls it off, and it, it's just part of this giant story that you're reading. In this one, I almost feel like because those four attributes were kind of meh, I felt like now I'm reading something someone wrote. Rather than holy shit, that's a cool idea, right, and this is a sense. thing that's happening in this story. It feels like someone wrote this part of this story, and I don't like that. Like this Venom, obviously, I'm conscious of Donny Cates having written it, but it's just an action movie. I'm watching, I'm watching this stupid thing happen, and it's you're along for the ride. And this one, there's 300 words on one two-page spread that's hard to read that talks about. But it's these damn four pretty. things. See, that Make, and it, do it do an odd number at least. <laughs> I will. I'll. That is. An, it took me a while to get through this book, but it was so pretty that even though it took me a while to get through it, it never felt like a chore to be getting through it. And I think that I represent myself as just not wanting too many words in books <laughs> on this podcast, and that's not it. It's just that you want a better balance. You want a balance of pretty pictures with those words like make me want to get through the words to see what's going on around it or offer a different you know view than what the words are offering and this really really does that like but thank god they have so much justice here you know how could they do it if they had no justice well there's, yeah, they need a lot no more justice. justice there's like nine half Fast splash pages of justice in here. Yeah. How do we feel about these being like Ugh. so clearly celestials and like so clearly Kirby esque with the lines and the circles? Like Roman, how do you it, feel about that? You know, in a, it kind of makes me laugh, but in a way, I kind of like it because okay, DC, Mar, who is this? <laughs> DC's not even trying to. Mass the fact that we we're just ripping off celestials. Mm -hmm. Everybody's well, gonna say that anyway, so let's just do it. <laughs> it's like okay, good, okay, good. At least you're being honest there. And their purpose, seeding plan, I mean everything. They didn't even try to hide it. Yeah. So aren't these props for that? Not these guys before, but haven't there been big new god giant things in the DC universe before? 
I thought in that Neil Gaiman Eternal story there was one big. That was Marvel. That oh, Marvel is that Marvel? Marvel? Oh, yeah, it's more Kirby creations, oh, but yeah, okay. that was Marvel. Word. I guess they're both companies, so it's, it's allowed. Yeah. You know? yeah. I oh, guess yeah. one thing you could take away from this, if if we say that he's stealing the Celestials, is that beyond the source wall is maybe Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe yeah. this is the multiverse crashing into the multiverse. Or Check these things out. are right. above both. What about this? Yeah. What about source wall was created by Kirby? What if beyond the Kirby, the source wall is Kirby's imagination? Yeah. Sure. So, like, we're pulling sure. these things out of there that are just <laughs> giant Kirby celestials because. I absolutely trust Josh Williamson to pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> For listeners who aren't familiar, the source wall in the DC universe is the wall at the very end of the multiverse. Nobody knows what's beyond it until now. Wonder, mystery, entropy. <laughs> so, here's a. Wisdom. Here's, <laughs> the art is so pretty in this. I give it the uh, art is pretty. an eight. If we're similar to Venom, like I think the stories of, of both are maybe below an eight, but it is so damn pretty that I am very into reading it. I'm uh, gonna give this. This is a this is a good comic, I think, but for me, six and a half tops, mm. maybe even a six. I think big DC fans should absolutely read this. I'm a Batman guy. There's not enough Batman. Not enough, not enough <laughs> alleys in this comic. No, there's no, yeah, no buildings or shadows. Mm. Yeah, I think I'll give it a six. I mean, I love the little things like gems, sort of Saturn and Etrigan and all that. And it is pretty. I don't think it's as pretty as maybe as you were saying, but I'll keep reading it obligatorily. And I have to say, I, I man, I hate current Harley. I really She is do so too. annoying. She's so annoying, <laughs> and she just looks... Like a dumb yeah. person. I, I, yeah, I watched an episode of Batman New Adventures with one of our customers today, and it had original Harley, and I, and I just kept on thinking throughout the episode, so God, cool. I miss original Harley. Yeah. I'll give this bad boy a seven. Um, yeah, the story wasn't too captivating, but I like cosmic shit. <laughs> um, I like big, glittery, shiny things. I like the Kirby crackle. Mm. And it's got that. I like anything that says that it's bigger than anything and it's yet somehow flawed or beatable. Uh, one thing I don't get is, like, if the source wall is the end of reality and space is an empty void but filled with radiation, like, how come we're really worried about just these four bad dudes? Out? Isn't there something else? Like, it, shouldn't radiation be seeping out or some it's, toxic? It's the end of reality. Or it's not reality, the like... Unreality. Deadality. Oh... <laughs> uh, <sighs> Uh, Brayden's favorite part about the issue was Starro, and he really? said it was fine. Mm-hmm. He described it as fine, and he gave it uh, between a six and a seven. He said he told me he liked it. Yeah, but that was it. He stopped right there. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't seem to dislike it at all, but he wasn't moved by it. Django, can I'm I talk to you for just a second? Oh, Jeff, do we have to do this on air? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I Take guess. your shoes off. No, uh, <laughs> Wildstorm Michael Crane number seven. Oh, did I? Miss I thought we were going to talk about something else. Did I? What happened <laughs> yeah, in I six? In six, they defeated Aquaman, like the Aquaman monster, and then the B plot was John. It turns out it was John Constantine. You absolutely missed it because I did it as a buckshot and pointed out the final panel, which was Constantine leaning up against the wall with blood on his shirt and a bald head. It was a, a parody of an old cover where he was stabbed, but he had hair. 
Glenn Fabry cover. Oh, classic. Ring, ringing any uh, Fabry bells? No, I think this is the month I was gone, actually. I think this is the week I was gone. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, the, the, we, we found out that Constantine is in this universe at the very end of the last issue. Okay. And I guess the big thing to me is, like, did the art look a lot better in this? Question mark? Yeah, the art looks better than what I've seen. Like, I you, guess, like, the, la- the art has moved in spurts between being, like, fine and being laughable at times. Like, almost hard to look at. Yeah. And, and it's really clean in here. I've really liked this, like all of the story of this. I've really, I really like all of it. This is very good as well. Like I, I, I don't yeah. know. It never takes long to read. It's interesting versions of all the stories. It, there's you finish it. Male butt. There's a very glossy male yeah. buttocks. You see the northern end of a male buttocks. I've been trying to make my butt that glossy for a long time, yeah. and all I've gotten is green. Yeah, I would say olive. Yeah. I would say that the art got better. Just in that I wasn't distracted by how bad it was yeah. the entire time. I don't think it's great. It looks like super, super low rent JRJR. John Romita Jr. Right. I don't Like John see Romita Jr. drawing with his left hand, maybe. I guess I can see some. It's it's interesting. I don't know. And I guess the big reveal of this one is we okay. So we've still got Deathblow is who Michael Cray is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know anything about this universe at all. But I've read seven issues of just this random assassin dude who's murdering bad versions of the Justice League because he's a total badass. Dude, I got some old old Deathblow <laughs> is issues. Is he cool? If you want to Why does this book exist and is as good as it is? Like, is I, I enjoy it as much as uh, the, like the main Wildstorm book in that it's a quicker more easily digestible version of that book and it's in that same universe like I like it as much but what is it gonna do like we're on issue seven we've got four left is this like Wonder Woman shows up at the end he's gonna have to kill her are we gonna meet Batman and Superman or are we is this book just to give us a bigger look at the Wildstorm world or I think gonna, that's what it is okay I, I so Deathblow is an old uh, what was it, Jim Lee and Michael Choi character? I think Jim Lee is right. Sure. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, from the Wildstorm universe. So same universe as Wildcats and all, all those characters. And that's the playground that they gave Warren Ellis for this series. Right. So I think that they he, he just wanted to flesh it out a little bit and give us some more world building. I feel like Wildstorm's supposed to be 24 issues, mm-hmm. right? And we were supposed to have two or three spinoffs. We were supposed to have during one that? main series and then two spinoffs. I feel like, and then one book was going to become another book. Yeah, and there was some really interesting pitch like that. I feel like they're a long ways in and haven't haven't really hit some of those markers. But as far as world flavor, this comic is great. It's it's, it's very basically good. the Lone Ranger, right? Where he, there's a problem, he goes in, he solves it. Ready for the next issue. Can the I only get you difference to not is ask rhetorical questions that end with right that relate to references that I cannot <laughs> relate to and answer. The Lone Ranger, right? The Lone Ranger. You yeah. know who the Lone Ranger is? I got it. No. He's he's uh <laughs> I mean I've seen the comic cover. Okay. It's uh <laughs> it's Hi ho Silver! Right? Away! <laughs> it's the uh Jonah Hex comics. Oh, okay. Like dude rides into town on a horse. There's some bad guys doing bad things. He kills him. He whoops him. He collects his bounty, and he goes on to the next town. This this is like super serial. There hasn't been uh, other than the Aquaman story. There I hasn't love been anything that like lasted that. more than more than They're one all issue. Two issues. They're all yeah. well, we meet the character, 
Then we kill the character while getting introduced to the next one. And it's just yep. every, it's a two issue thing for all these things. It's and great. This time, so each of these characters that he's killing is taking a little bit longer for him to get to, right? So um, Aquaman, what, they introduced him. They gave him an issue of finding Aquaman. They gave him an issue of fighting Aquaman. And interspersed with that issue of fighting Aquaman, they had Constantine in there. And at the end of the Constantine issue, now we've got a second issue with Constantine. And this is this ends on an unresolved thing. So he's going to have to kill Constantine in the next one. And then we're going to get another character. And we also that. set up Wonder Woman in this one. Yeah, Wonder Woman in her best Big Barda outfit. Yeah. yeah. I, I really thought she was Big Barda in the Me first too. panel. I guess it... Well, I guess the yellow or the yeah, the the yellow lasso. Oh yeah, her, but same colors. You're right, yeah. and she's got chains and of lasso. Uh, yeah, I I'm pretty impressed by this. This guy's gonna be writing, I think, detective after this. I'll read it. Like after Jimmy TIV leaves, and what he's he's about to do a higher profile book, and I'm pretty excited for it because this is very cool in the way that like Tom Taylor doing Injustice was just like everyone reading that book loves that book and he seems really good at writing his sort of corner of a world. So what do you give this book? It's such an it's like the opposite of the two books I just talked it's, about which is the story is very quick and compelling and the art is not very good. It's so hard to score this book. Yeah. I would give the story an eight. I would give the art like I don't know like a four. It's I would give the comic a seven and a half or an eight. Like it's I'm it's give the really comic good. An eight. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm doing three eights so far. The Ocho Ocho the Ocho Ocho Ocho. Isola number two by <laughs> Brendan Fletcher, Carl Kershaw, and Editia Bidikar on I, letters. You know, I still can't see his undercut in this. I'm still digging it. And Sasiak on art. Undercut. Um, you can't see the writer's undercut while reading this. Yeah. Yeah, it's not super broad. What about the fact that the main character basically has an undercut? Nah. I, I feel like when I read Brendan Fletcher books, it's very specifically his, like the voice is his look. And can I, I, this, that doesn't carry can through. I, on this. Can I offer a possible Ooh. explanation as to why? Yeah. Um, you cannot see past the horrible writing to the undercut. <laughs> you think this writing's horrible? I think that this writing is very bad. Have I been bamboozled by the art? I think that this book <laughs> could Bamboo. just as easily not have any words in it, and it would get across mm. what it's trying to get across, but Agreed. I really, I don't like the dialogue. And I stopped two-thirds of the way through this, and I was like, I think that I could get through the rest of this without reading any of these words, because I am sick of these words. I don't like when they're writing in vernacular. It's the worst it's, fantasy vernacular I've ever seen. It is. Really it's fake. horrible. And, and it's not that much different than our own. It's no, it's <laughs> so similar. It's yeah. replaced words rather than a history behind the words, yeah. and that's what it really takes. Like when uh, Alan Moore took over for Cross Plus One Hundred, it took forever to figure out what because the characters it was were a saying language. because yeah. he had created a new language based on the things that had happened in in the previous hundred years. And there's like so many people out there who have done that really, really well. That you could just kind of like hack one of those and modify it and make it more convincing than this. Like read an Ursula uh, Le Guin when, book and yeah. just ape that, and it would sound way better than this. That said, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. beautiful. Oh, God. The, the adventure is compelling. Whether whether the text is not or not, the the adventure is really fun to me anyway. Okay, so from moving moving from here on out, I will be reading every issue of this book without reading any text. 
That's and, a really good idea. And somebody else will read the text and we'll see how much of what I'm getting is actually the story. I don't think that the story matters once you know that the, the tiger is the princess. I don't think it matters. So my brain did a thing. So I haven't read a pitch of this book or heard anything about it except for the fact that when you guys went to ImageCon a couple years ago, this book was announced. Yeah, we saw it. And I had no idea there was a fucking princess involved when I bought issue one. I called Jeff because I just wanted something. I had a couple extra bucks to impulse buy a comic off the shelf. And And he said he wanted something that wasn't, that was sort of like fun and lighthearted. Yeah. And I'm a big Miyazaki fan. There's some cute animal shit. So when I, going into this, I thought that this was some cool fantasy world where animals were the dominant species and humans were subservient to them. And this was just a girl following this animal who happened to be her owner, almost like they were enslaved Mm -hmm. by animals. And the natural world was predominant. And reading that. that with that kind of presupposition, completely made up in my own brain, made the book a lot more interesting despite... The, sh- the really annoying dialogue in the first one. And I even said, Jeff, like, everything you said, it was exactly right. Like, the, it's beautiful, it's fun, but it, it's not very convincing. Uh, and now that it seems more of, like, a, you know, magic turned this awesome princess into a tiger, and yeah. it kind of sucks, and you got to get her back to her kingdom. Certainly um, nothing original about uh, any of the words that you're yeah. saying. Yeah, like, so I was kind of... Drawn to the bamboozled by this concept that I made up in my own mind, and then the art was just so gorgeous that it and it seemed to match with that presupposition in my brain. Mm -hmm. And now that I've realized, like, this is just a pretty typical fantasy story, uh, with some like choppy dialogue. Uh, it's like I like was gonna sub to this book, and then today I was like. I'm sure I could probably find a better fantasy book out there right now if that's what I'm feeling. I didn't read it, but I'll give it an eight for that beautiful cover. I think I, I think I have. I'll, to give, I'll give the cover an eight. A seven? I think I'm gonna go with seven. Like the art is gorgeous enough. I want to consider it just like Venom and No Justice, where the art was able to carry lesser writing, but those books had better writing. And this this art is gorgeous, and the lighting is gorgeous in the it. The lighting is. Um, really but it's. I don't really care about fantasy, and I really do think that the writing is poor. I'm gonna follow you with an eight minus one. Mm. With uh, have basically fun with that, the Phil. same com- comments, it like really the lighting is what gets me on this art. It's mm. very, very well done. Mm. What do you give it, Justin? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna give it a seven point five, just because I love the art so much. It reminds me of Princess Mononoke, which is my favorite Miyazaki movie. I really like stuff with a very like more than human world like animals and trappers i like a fantasy world like that so and i i do feel like some of the world building is better than how it's paced and the dialogue is my main complaint um and there's like some kind of fantasy world star belt northern light thing and you know that's pretty Mm. cool (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah that it's convinced me it's a better book than it is for two issues, so I'm going to give it a 7 of 5. And a lot of that is the uh, the art and the lighting. And I think, like, the yeah, it makes it feel like a more beautiful, vivid world that's not written there. It's just the way it's drawn. You feel like it's a more complex, you know, lush, inhabited world than it actually is. But um, it scratches some weird Mononoke itch that I... Well, yeah, Mononoke is a, is a hard... It's a rash. Um... We had a special request this week to get 
us a minute, but more than a minute, about Squirrel Girl. And I think only one of us read Squirrel Girl. Who asked for that? Our favorite guy in the world, Jake Rizzi. Oh, Jay. 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 We love Jay. We love you know, Jay. I'd like, like to hear about some Squirrel Girl. We went up to his house just a few days ago for a post. Well, let's call Braden. I'm sure he read it. Oh, yeah, you're right. You read it too, buddy. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> What do you yeah, tell, tell me about it. How do you feel about it? How it, do you feel about it, squirrels first? Hey, Roman. I, I like this squirrels. is the first issue with a new artist. <laughs> this on is it. the first issue with the new artist, Derek Charm, um, who before the podcast I knew what else he did, but I've forgotten. Jughead. Jughead, yes, thank you. Bingo. Um, and this was a fun issue. I I like this artist. Uh he's probably he may be the perfect person to follow. Um the previous artist, Eric Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Anderson. <laughs> yes, because uh, squirrel. It, it's still that same kind of style. It's actually I like. I might even like his squirrel girl. Squirrel girl. Her face, maybe even a little better than the way Erica Anderson drew her face. It looks like he didn't Ooh. give her, like maybe a cleft palate. Was how Erica Henderson yeah, always came yeah, across to yeah, me. Yeah, he gave her the the cleft palate or, or the hair lip. Or he did. Yeah, oh, we don't say hair lip anymore, Roman. We don't. Well, okay. I mean, only for that joke. I was the just watching eye. Red Dragon. <laughs> And yeah. he, oh, yeah, Red Dragon. Yeah, I was just watching that before I came down here. Did you know that Erica <laughs> Henderson did the original art in Jughead, and then this guy took over after her as well? Really? Is this yeah. that? So this is a thing they have going. So Erica yeah. Henderson is Todd McFarlane, and this guy is Eric fucking Larson. <laughs> Who's going to be there? Mark Bagley. He had a very successful run on Ultimate Spider-Man. He did. Django. Yeah, he did. He did. Very after those guys, Spider-Man. many many years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a fun issue. It's still the same clever writing, still the little things at the bottom of the page that I can't read. Um, it was a lot of fun, a lot of intelligence. There's stuff in the beginning that Django's going to love that I didn't understand about this whole thing about binary numbers and translation and computer coding and stuff that I'm sure was very fascinating for you. So if I totally read it and it was very fascinating. Roman has pretty <laughs> I like squirrels. consistently talked about not enjoying the wording on the bottom of Squirrel Girl pages. Um, if you're a listener and you have opinions on that, I would love to hear them. Yeah. Do you like yes. that stuff? Do you not like that stuff? Um, is it like an unpopular thing? Call oh. us. Just tell us your opinion. You don't even have to tell us your name, but I would love yeah. some nice. some tallies. Um, but our number is one six one nine six six three seven three three six. So you should call us and and let us know what. Yeah, you think I'd like about to that. hear what other people think because I expect to be in the minority about that because you know I I, I to train my own eyes. To I, it would I would I would definitely personally not want a book with that many words. Ultimately, that's the reason I don't read this book. Mm. Also, All if you are Harry's Razors, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. So <laughs> give us a call and let us know. I use Harry's Razors. I've used Harry's Razors. Jeff, I don't shave. Um, okay. But I would like to thank Nick Waite for the usage of our theme song. <laughs> uh, you can get his music at soundcloud.com slash stemmingway, S-T-E-M-I-N-G-W-A-Y. Uh, great music, great theme song, great hair lips. Keep it going. Don't We don't say hair lip anymore. While squirrels are often an unpopular animal, I find it to really? be one of my favorite animals. Why? I'm the king of the squirrels. Because they're easy to catch and eat. You know, I would put on this hat and get out in the morning at 6 in the morning in this little raptor hat. I don't know why I thought it was a squirrel hat. And I'd yell to the squirrels that I'm king of the squirrels. And I used to really want my bike to look like a Jaguar car. You know how a Jaguar car has, like, the Jaguar jumping off the front of it? So I taped a stuffed squirrel to the front of my bike and would drive it around. 
Okay, so this is like Jeff and his Catwoman costume. Uh, yeah, this is some gold right <laughs> yeah. here. Justin. So it's just like a kid with like this duck cape <clears throat> squirrel on his bike on the front on it. And so I've always wanted to read Squirrel Girl, but the text bubbles and the lots of text that I've heard about, I too am like Jeff. And we'll be like, though the squirrels would carry me through, I don't know if I could handle this many words. <laughs> just about time for a buckshot again. <laughs> Wait, you want me to grade this thing? Yeah, oh shit. Sorry, we didn't even talk about it. He's going to give it three squirts. Can you give us a J? We need to get Jay a feeling on this book. Jay, I think you'll like this book. I I, I would give this a solid eight. I, I bet you would also give it a solid eight. Craven the Hunter's back in it. We all love him Sergei. in this book. <laughs> Sergey. Sergey, Sergey. My babushka. Man, I always just called it Matit, but you guys call it Squirf. Yeah, Squarf. What? Squirrel, squirrel you, ra- squirrel. you, squir- you raise the squirrel, you eat the squirrel. <laughs> or in French, squirrel. Is that where you were headed from, Django guy? Uh, yeah, I, the, the, I was expecting Matit, but he said squirrel. The squirrel so, so, so the squirrel. <laughs> so the, yeah. so the French squirf. version of this comic is called the inedible squirrel. Squirf. 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 Inedible squirf. It's, squirf. it's spelled S-K-W-I-F-T. Uh, and there's a Q in there, too, but that's a silent oh, Q. Oh, silent Q. It's the only squirf. time the French have used the letter K was squirf. to squift. Squirf. <laughs> <laughs> squift? Oh, yeah. Buckshot. Buckshot. Roman, Uh-oh. you're my guy. You are the first guy up on this oh boy. Round, roundabout wagon. Go. The squirf wagon. <laughs> Runaways number nine, written by Rainbow Rowell and you know a bunch of other people, um, did art. I'm really liking this book. The, the, I didn't read the complete run of previous Runaways, but this book is all about the team is back together. It's about their family dynamics. Uh, they've all been through some trauma. One of them died and came back because the magician, the sorcerer on the team was able to bring her back. Um, this issue is just about them dealing with their new lives. One of them, Doc, he's a Doombot, has come to claim his head because he's a robot dude. The coolest thing, Molly, the young member, the super strong member that always wears the cute hats. Um, the youngest one, she's got a new friend at school. She's in El- or she's 13, middle school. Uh, she's got a new friend at school that's trying to manipulate her and gave her this perhaps magic um, cupcake. That and is trying to convince her that you're the perfect age right now, 13 years old. Everybody loves you. You're cute, but you're smart. You can get away with stuff. You, why would you ever want to become older? If you eat this cupcake, you won't age. And Molly's thinking about doing it. Everybody keeps telling her, "Oh, Molly, things are great now. You don't have to worry." You know, and they're inadvertently reinforcing this idea. Uh, Julie Power and Carolina, who's Julie was one of the is one of the grown up Power Pack. They're dating. They're having problems. Carolina's ignoring her. Julie shows up at the house. At, their house at the end, and the cupcake's there. She's crying because what's-her-name keeps ignoring her, and, and something horrible happens, oh, no. and she's in tears at the end, and then the rest of the, the runaways show up. Oh, my God. That was a very good review, Roman. What you guys can't see is that he always gets, like, several books out to talk about. I know. This is so good. he never makes it past a second one. <laughs> like, he never... No, I've done, he... I've done four at the most. I have. Roman, a couple episodes my ago. Sound, my voice is doing... <laughs> Roman, I really like your buckshots, but I always feel like something's missing. 
And what you're missing is you didn't get to this little guy. Who is this guy? That's a different that, comic. That's, that's Chibi yeah. Wolverine. That's chi- yeah, I don't know what exactly Chibi is, but they're really Braden cute. Braden said his name's Wolvie. Yeah. They call him Wolvie. He's in. He's, he's su- like the spider and he's super. Wolverine. He's super cute and friendly. He's like, guys, why are we all scared? Why are we all fighting? He's all scared through most of the issue. I'm going to... I'm gonna. Yeah, that was a book that Braden, that was his pick of the week, and he really liked Peggy Carter as Captain That's America. Captain America yep. And Beautiful. there was Peggy Carter and Becky as the sidekick instead of Bucky. Yeah. And that Becky, was very good. Becky and was awesome. Yeah, he said that she was the star of the, the, the issue. She was super gay and ended up having a, a just sort of hitting on Valkyrie the whole issue. And he right. said that was just the best, the best thing. I haven't read it yet. I didn't read number two, but I really like number one. Um... Roman, did you give a score to that book? I didn't. I'll give it. I'll give it a nine. Nice. Wow. Yeah, this is just a great book. It's a great read, especially if old Runaways fans. If you were into that series, you got to be reading this. What if you weren't? Can I jump on in this? Well, even then, yeah. I mean, because I'm loving it, and I wasn't a. I didn't even finish the old Runaways series. All right, Justin, you have a minute and a half to do whatever you want with. Go. You're up. So when I was driving here. I felt pretty anxious because I overcaffeinated, had to pee, didn't know if I should stop, so I decided that I wouldn't pee or go number two the whole way here. And so <laughs> just, you know, it's kind of like before a religious experience, you do certain things to your body to prove that you have willpower to show your devotion. <laughs> I Yeah, I took a poop fast. Is that how we would phrase yes, that? Yeah, poop yeah. fast. Yeah, poop fast. To show you guys my love and affection for you. <laughs> and the whole time it kind of hurt, but it also made me feel strong. Um, and then I got here, and I went to the bathroom right away because it was a really bad idea down there. <laughs> thought about sending you a poop pic, but then tried to find a way to surprise you. Uh, then I took a sleep on your couch. He's and, talking to me. Yeah, well, Django's couch on Django's couch because he let me into his house, and I slept on his couch, and that was very nice. Then I did various other things. I saw Roman at the museum. I'm trying to tell my entire trip in a minute and a half. <laughs> a buck shot, shot of the last couple of days, and I'm not doing You got 24 super. seconds left. Jeff scared me, but it felt really good. I like to give hugs out to my friends. I am now intrigued by Wolvie. I ate some food. I ate three slices of tiramisu in one sitting because I was stressed. Um Killed it. I give it a nine. The whole experience. <laughs> <laughs> Except what were you for the not pooping. About when you were getting the, the tiramisu in, the move. Justin, uh, do you believe that a man could eat three pieces of tiramisu and not be stressed? Yeah, it's allowed. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, it makes you feel fat. Do you think mm-hmm. there's any chance that sometimes you convince yourself that you're stressed because you're doing a thing that you feel like is bad for you, but in reality, you just need a daddy to say, like, you can eat three pieces of tiramisu. Sometimes when people are trying to, like, get me to do stuff all the time, one of the things that I do is talk about how busy I am and say that I can't mm-hmm. do stuff. And then what I realize is that, like, I'm not, like, stressed out by how much I'm doing, but the fact that I talk about how much I'm doing makes me stressed out. There's a weird causal loop of anxiety Mm -hmm. that goes on, so, like, using it as an excuse to not do things causes me to make me feel like I'm busier than I am, when in actuality, I feel like I've got a pretty good, comfortable rap on this stuff. That's the whole experience with the move. It sucked really bad when I kept thinking about how many more phases and how much more it was going to suck, and then at some point I was like, well, like... I'm the only one who's going to be able to lift this heavy stuff, and I'm the only one that's going to be able to do the sucky thing, so why am I telling myself 
how bad this is. Like, I know it sucks. Why do I have to remind myself? I gotta my... do it. Yeah, so I did it, and then that shut up. And the victory tiramisu was worth it. And, like, still you're pooped. allowed to do things <laughs> that, you know, are bad for you. You yeah. can eat three pieces of tiramisu. Like, fuck it. You deserve that. You're yeah. a good boy. Yeah, I, I yeah, earned it that too. day. It felt good. I think one of the secrets... It wasn't spongy enough, though. You know how mm. I like my yep, sponge. Yep. Yeah, it should be spongy. I absolutely do. Yeah. I think one of the secrets to life is... This the, one of the secrets to riding a bike up a hill. Mm-hmm. You just he talks about what needs to happen yeah. next, and you do it. And then what needs to happen after that? Instead of looking at this giant mountain of bullshit you have to do, you prioritize it. You start doing it, and so whatever has to get done is going to get done. I want to mention that I was just teasing you a little bit, but that's actually absolutely one of the secrets. Yeah, of life. it is. <laughs> and wouldn't it, wouldn't it be better to get can... off the bike and take a taxi up the hill? Sure, if you're rich. So, like, there's a thing <laughs> that, like, hill. if you do it enough, it becomes embodied and you don't need to think about it. And for whatever reason, that, like, take it one step at a time is still that thing that, like, it's theoretical and I know it, but I haven't quite, like, I, I'm not so good at living it. And so the move was, like, a moment where, like, the the narrative, my internal narrative, the volume's always fucking cranked on and I can't shut it up. But it allowed, like, I just forgot about it and the volume shut back down and then things are manageable during that move I was like to have a voice in your head at all is a fucking really no, weird experience and it's like, not it's not I'm thirsty to be there well I know I'm thirsty why am I telling myself like, exactly. I'm thirsty like, yeah. why do I need this parasitic entity yeah. fifth my symbiote yeah symbiote <laughs> um, Justin moved his girlfriend into a new house yes as I did he keeps talking about um, gosh I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think one of one of the yeah, one of the people that I hate the most but also I've learned the most from would always just sort of say like just one more. And like he would every single tiramisu. thing that he did <laughs> was always just one more, whether it's like a pull up or studying for one more hour or whatever it was. He's like, I've done one, I'm just gonna do one more. But if you can live in a place where you're willing to do one more of whatever X is that's if you can live in that perpetual state. But I'm always just, I live in the perpetual state of like, just did that. I deserve to not do anything. <laughs> yeah. But I still have to do a thing. But the days that, that I feel more most productive are the days where I'm up until six in the morning and I knock out two weeks worth of backlog shit I've been putting off because I'm like, okay, it's only going to take me like three minutes to, to answer this email. Yeah. It's only going to take me like 10 minutes to answer that email. It's only going to take me like, Three minutes to do the dishes that I've been I putting off for a day and this a half. One more thing. Yeah. 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 I don't have to stop. So yeah. on my nightstand, which is right next to my bed where I usually set my I've phone, I uh, have a little printed off thing that says catabasis, which is the Greek idea of descending into the underworld and seeing all the horrible shit and coming out and being a better person. Mm. And so when I look at my phone and think, you know, want to go on, check my email compulsively or something. I think about that and think like, what's the hardest thing I can do when I wake up? Because that's usually going to be the thing descending into that underworld quick. Like if you make the habit, okay, I need to meditate. And that's usually the thing you're resisting. Or I need to take a shower. So I always try to do that, like descend into the other underworld early, do the hardest thing first. Take care of that emotionally taxing yeah. email that you have to write to your first girlfriend ever. Yeah. You've been putting off. Yeah, and that helps. Do you have with to like, write an email to your first girlfriend ever? No, but he but does every single day. <laughs> I do that first thing. <laughs> Just like she really wants me to stop. <laughs> Taking she care has twelve of, kids. <laughs> She's married. It is a happy marriage. <laughs> Taking she care of whatever it is. Me. Whatever it is that's been stressing you out that you like 
lost sleepover because you didn't get to it the day before. Yeah. If you say, uh, instead I'm going to brush my teeth extra long and shave my head this morning, don't do that. Just deal with that first horrible or... I mean, in my life, I don't have a whole lot of horrible things. I just have things that I procrastinate because they're going to take 40 minutes longer than I really want to spend doing it. But if I knock it out first thing, yeah, I just have a bunch of easy shit after that. I don't know how much hard stuff I have, but I have a lot of things that are medium hard, which allows me to just project a bunch of resistance onto. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. So I, I try to do yoga and meditation. I get up at 5.30 every morning to do that. And there are sometimes when I'm in the morning laying in bed before I do those things, which those are the things that my head voice tells me I like to do or I feel good doing. Since that is not exactly what you want to do when you work out, I can just project that into turning it into like, you know, it's having that awkward or sending an email to your girl. Like I, yeah. ex-girlfriend, like I can make it so hard in my Expectation. mind. Expectation. Yeah. So I try to like, you know, in every opportunity, scan my environment and be like, what's the hardest thing in my environment? Because that's usually the thing that, like, you're su- not that they're supposed in the world, but that you should be doing if it's the hardest. Like, if you're resisting, it means it means something it, to you. Jeff, 90 <laughs> seconds, go. Um, thank you for stopping me there. <laughs> Southern Bastards number 20. The final issue of Volume Four. This is the this volume is taking about a year to come out. It's written by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour, uh, the actual creative team of Southern Bastards. This is my favorite book coming out in issues. Um, when these two guys are on it together, I would say that every issue is a ten. God, good issue. I don't want to spoil it too much because Roman's reading this and he hasn't caught up, but um, some big stuff does happen with our three main characters, uh, which the last issue we've been left off with, um, Coach Boss being met by Earl Tubbs' daughter and then the religious guy with the bow shot her in the hand because she was about to kill uh, Coach Boss. And we get some follow-up from all of that. And, man, this book comes out every, like, several months, but there's just, it's... It's two of the best creators in the industry working at the absolute top of their game, and in the four years it's been coming out, we've gotten 20 issues, and that's that's okay, because it's it's so good. If you're not reading that, please read it. Um, I also read Medieval Spawn and Witchblade, number one, creative team Brian Haberlin and Brian Halguin. <laughs> the Bryans! <laughs> so the Bryans brought us... What a tale of medieval <laughs> fantasy and magic and sin spawn lore. Sorcery. Um, I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil anything, but they make love <laughs> in the woods. And that's a big part of it. Medieval love. Medieval love. In the medieval woods. I give Southern Bastards a ten and I give medieval spawn a just a fucking new scale, Roman. Um, <laughs> and that scale is a one to six. And it gets a five. <laughs> and the six is just a normal six. <laughs> so, um, uh, okay, so that's that's the last part of Southern Bastards volume in four. volume four. Yeah. But that Gut didn't check. come out until like August. The trade. Good grief. So um, the next the, the issue after that must be coming out in August or September. Um just a second. They have the release dates back. I'm glad here. you had that they're recap because I completely forgot. They're letting it like a good bowl of southern chili. Yeah. Great. Oh. Lennon stew, yeah. You sound um, like a British guy so, trying to do a southern accent. I am. So next is issue 21 in June. The paperback volume four comes out. Okay. And in fall, the hardcover of volume two comes out. That has Ooh. paperbacks three and four. Okay, so we just have to wait a month. I think the next issue is a month away. I, I think that it, it has the issue listed even before the paperback. So if they stick to their schedule, which I think that he's finished his Thor stuff, 
He's finished his Doctor Strange stuff. I think he's got more time to be doing stuff right now. He's uh, only doing Avengers, Avengers twice a week. Yeah. And isn't he coming back for Thor, though? Yeah, he's still doing Thor, but it's he got a, a little bit of time in, in the middle there. And I, I hope that this is his big priority. It's just it's just the best. I'm reading this book in trades, yeah. so I'm... Every I'm time I check in on It's a good thing book. that y- you mentioned that after the fact, and I didn't spoil it, because gosh darn. Don't give a shit about spoilers. It's just... I I also don't, but there's just a couple books where I really value the fact that I never know where they're going. I, yeah, and I, I, I really that. appreciate like at any page you don't fucking know what's gonna happen, and you're gonna get to this issue, and you're not with each page going to know what's gonna happen, and it's it's a, it's a nice it's a joy. Well, thanks for not spoiling. Well, I did it for, for Roman, Roman, but I'm glad that it worked out for you and Django. I would do anything for you, including hit the start button because you got a minute. Oh 30. God, which uh, uh, what comics am I gonna Kansas. talk about? Kansas. Uh, I'm gonna talk about Maestros number six. This book is still really beautiful. It's pretty stupid. They spelled Bukaki wrong, and uh, <laughs> there's only one issue left, which means it's gonna be a seven issue series, which is. An odd number for a series. Septenary. Isn't there already a paperback? Uh, if there is, I mean, the, the next, the, the tease for the next one says to be concluded. I don't think there is a paperback. I think this is going to be a seven-issue series with a trade of seven issues. That makes me want to... Oh, yeah. Whatever, man. Eat, eat my seconds. I am. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm chomping your flav. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good. I think I think it's a it's a comic book comic book with beautiful art. Punk's Not Dead, number four, still really good, still really painterly. I could do, I think I could do without the, like, the MI5 style snarky lady scully character, but I really like the rest of it. Analog, number two, Analog is my kind of book. It's crime noir, it's tough guys doing tough guy things, getting thrown into the garbage out of the bar, and... And I just really like it. Uh, I like the world. I like the story. I like the guys, like like the guys, five o'clock shadow. I even <laughs> like that his dad's more worried about getting blood in the meatballs than he is about killing a guy standing next to the meatballs. Uh, I got nothing else. That's everything I read. Fuck y'all. <laughs> I stopped the timer at 29 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so how Joke's you, on uh, me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's in the stew now, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Jeff and Justin oh, bit. Yeah, got you. <laughs> He's so much nicer when you're not here, Justin. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I'm going to give Maestros a uh, seven and a half. I really, I really think anybody who likes comic books should read it. It's, it's really good comic booking. I, I definitely, and that's what I was gonna. When I started chomping your flavor, what I was gonna say was that <laughs> I will definitely read this series, knowing that it's only seven issues. Yeah. I thought it was gonna be an ongoing thing, and I was just like, I don't really want to get oh, into God. a big fantasy world. I couldn't do this ongoing, but it's, it definitely feels like Jeff Darrow. It looks like like, it. like Jeff Darrow light. Um, Punk's not dead. I'm gonna give that. I'm going to give this issue a 7. I think the series so far I would give an 8, but uh, that, that issue's a 7. I hope that it ends at 6. And Analog, God, 7.5. I'll, I'll bet the series is an 8 by the time it's done. I love the setup. I, I love, like, 
digital free. Now you have to carry papers around. Yeah. He loves couriers. Um, and speaking. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Before we no, try that please. segue. Yeah. It was not going to be a good <laughs> one. I was trying to think of it at the moment. So please. Stop All right. It. You work on that. Um, analog about couriers. Like right? People that make curry? Nope. People survival who fetish. run things yeah. around. Survival fetish about couriers. Uh, Skyward? Skybound? Uh, Skyward? Skyward? Yeah. Skyward. Skybound? Skyward. Skyward about couriers. That other comic that Black Mask just put out about the, the, like, the plant zombie virus? Woods. So, yeah, the woods or just wilds? Woods. Wilds. The wilds. wilds. Courier. Also about couriers. So... <laughs> What I'm telling you, comic book industry, is that I want a new take on couriers. Ones well, that just deliver so the let's, mail. So let's, hey, let's, yeah. hey, listen, we're like going postal. obviously no, not that. really long on this podcast because Justin's here. We're abandoning the hour and 15 minute model. Ooh, ooh. So let's just have some fun here. Um, why do you think that's an, a big motif <clears throat> right now? And maybe my, my take on it is that we're realizing the information and the transfer of information is the most important thing and what's what people crave for. And, uh, and you know, we're all sort of afraid that it's going to collapse the, the infrastructure. Private, private Eye sort of started that story. A lot of it has collapsed in, in the last few months. Oh, that's true, Facebook. We're looking at you. <clears throat> but, the, I mean, these comics were in process before that, but maybe, like, it's, it's not that hard to guess that Facebook's going to make some missteps and people are going to step away from it. So then what do we use to communicate with the masses? And there always has to be some system in place for the exchange of information, whether it is technological, but there's a lot of stories that are taking place under the assumption that the technology will fall and we're dealing with the transfer of information. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the, the reason that all these couriers happen is because technology's kind of fucked up, Yeah. right? And I think that we're at a point right now where we have this amazing ability to communicate with anyone at any time through text messages, phone calls, emails, Facebook messages, Facebook tags, Instagram tags. All these things are, in my mind anyway, different speeds at which you contact mm -hmm. someone. So if I have something urgent, I'm going to call you. And Jeff, as my friend, you know that if I'm calling you, it's probably something that needs to be dealt with pretty quick. So if you see that call, like I don't think you've ever not picked up if you if you saw me calling that I'm I know the only of. guy that I will always <clears throat> pick up for. Don't but, tell my sisters. But if I text you, you know, eh, not not quite as urgent. Right. And if I email you, you know that's kind of informational that I'm feeding you rather than like it doesn't need a response. It's definitely really more at any given like. time. Yeah. Um I I really hope that we go to a place where that infrastructure has collapsed. Because I really don't like the speed with which information is exchanged. I really. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta I, keep it. <laughs> I really, I really don't like the obligation of the exchange of information. I really like time to have, you know, like think about my thoughts. It's, it's. I don't know. I, I hope that we're moving towards an infrastructural collapse. Is what yeah, I'm saying. The digital is here to kind of like point out the, the, good and the analog. Like the digital is servicing the analog. You can make those connections from a distance, but it's about in-person information uh, transferring, it seems. You see a lot of, like, you know, for a while, a lot of college classes or something like that or webinars were being used completely online, and mm -hmm. now it's, like, a way to service in-person meeting mm -hmm. that w would be almost impossible to figure out about other people, 
like who have a similar interest or something online, but now, yeah, there's almost like a a shift back to the analog, and I think that's good because otherwise we're headed towards Wally. Well, I hope, yeah, and I hope we're living at a peak right now that will. um, But listen, Roman's falling asleep, so we should probably move on (laughs) to Batman White Knight number eight. Oh, I didn't read it. Damn it. Oh, well, we'll by all means, take another fucking nap. (laughs) Let me go to the beanbag. I think that now is a good time for you to come up with a segue into Batman the White Knight number eight of eight by Sean Murphy. That's a really good idea. Let me Segway. think about that. And while I think about that, would you mind start to start talking about yeah. uh, Batman so, number eight? Uh, this is the last issue. It's been a monthly series. There are all of the Batmobiles you've ever seen in this comic. Because mm-hmm. Murphy likes cars. <clears throat> Murphy is a car boy. There is sacrifice. It turns out to not actually be sacrifice. There is very kind of middling action that confused me. Um... There's a weird wedding at the very end. That's true. And it ends ominously. I like Batman's collar. Yeah, Sean Murphy loves a collar. It ends with a great review, I thought. Yeah. Um, I, this this was not my favorite issue of this series, and I'm a little bit me. bummed. I'm not necessarily bummed. That was a good. That was a succinct. Basically, Joker ends up back in prison, and he's become Joker again. And the medicine actually had cured him. But even when he was a cured person, he was still manipulating all these systems, which makes him a sort of morally ambiguous character. And uh, he's off the meds, and he becomes the Joker again. And right before that happens, he marries Harley. But as he says, I do, he horribly becomes the Joker again and, like, coughs blood all over or something. Did they run out of meds? Is that why, like, were they, like, a rare med that could, like, or... She why created is the, joke... the med. She made it. So why is <laughs> why can't they just naper the fuck out of him? And have Joker be gone forever. Like, why don't they just put him on permanent treatment? Because uh, he's already drawn all the Batmobiles once. He doesn't want to do it again. <laughs> and I think, like, Batman wants him in prison, and he belongs in prison. Um, he's kind of a bad guy, even when he's a good guy. Yeah. Like, he, he had a Naper good was, point, but he was... He was doing, doing it in a bad guy way. Just in a, yeah, covert way, I guess. I think this was a... To- Sorry, Roman, were you going to say something? Oh, I was just wondering, because I don't remember now. Are the meds that Harley creates, are they antipsychotics? We don't know. We don't know. There's just, yeah, like meds that Suppressed. at the beginning Batman shoves down his throat because they end up there. That was actually one of the, the things that I had the hardest time, pardon the meds pun, swallowing, yeah. mm. huh. um, was Napier's like physical transformation from Napier to the Joker and back. I really didn't like that the Joker is a deformed like that turns him into a super villain instead of just a crazy bad guy. Right? Like yeah. Batman's a human, Batman's fighting crime, his arch enemy is the Joker. Batman's got a very defined history and an origin. The Joker has a very undefined history and origin. And to make the Joker have this physical transformation between his alter ego and his super villain it it gives it a little bit of supernatural, and I don't like that dichotomy. I I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, I thought it was weird that like in the first couple issues when Joker's in his Joker form in the first issue and he's crying and the makeup's bleeding off, kind of implies that he puts that makeup on or that's and then a first. It shows song. up when he's being crazy. Yeah, and then he's yeah. like then then it, it's that seems like an uh, an either or situation, and they do an and both at the end. And yeah, I think if you if you set it up not so that his eyes change color and his skin changes color, 
you could almost make that kind of an ambiguous thing. Like if yeah. if his smile got real big, and he looked, and his more eyes bad. got you know some sort of crazy art around them. But changing the coloring of everything. I guess in this case, the colors are more important than the art to yeah. to signify that's, that a physical change has happened. Uh, to to echo Braden, um, I do like I think that this book really for the first time, and I do think Punk Rock Jesus was a really good book uh, that he wrote and drew. But this is the first time that I feel like he wrote and drew a book, and his writing was like on par with his art. Like he. Mm-hmm. This this solidified in my brain that he's like a superstar creator. Like he can write and draw stuff, and it's going to be of the high, highest caliber in both regards. Um, but Nightwing and Dick, I think, or sorry, Nightwing and uh, Barbara are both written kind of poorly. Like I don't. Yeah. I think that those are two characters that he never really created strong voices for, and sort of just. I don't know. Um, they were I, there I, to I thought they turned out to be the most Batman. important characters to Batman too. Right, and yeah. and I guess if I could. If I were to pick at it, I would say that I don't think, I think that the letter from Alfred at the end about how like, oh, I bet you're reading this and I bet you're reading it with, you know, Batgirl and Nightwing with you and you need to spend more time with people. I don't feel like that was a big thrust that Alfred was getting at in this yeah. series. Like that didn't seem to me like a huge theme. <laughs> so it was a nice thing for him to add at the end, but it, when, when, when he found out like that from Alfred, there's something hidden in the floorboards. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, like that we never saw. Yeah, what was that? That's uh, volume two. That and it's the, the reveal on the last page is volume two of the series. Or it's no, that's that's got to be what it is. It's what Batman White Knight two or whatever Batman Black Knight or Batman Blue Knight. I Batman w- Purple Inside of the Cape Knight. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I like I don't know that that was a weird part to include was the Alfred's that note at the end. All of that said, the art is awesome. Oh yeah, it's the so Batmobiles. Cool. As much as I just kind of want to rip on him for making a comic just to draw a bunch of Batmobiles, they're pretty awesome. Uh, he threw like Roxy Rocket in there, which Chris Miller is gonna love because yeah. that's like a real small character. Honestly. If now that this is done to look at it, I feel like he spent five issues building a really, really interesting, compelling world and a great setup, <clears throat> and then he just left sort of three issues of action at the end. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of how he just wanted to tell the story. That was his, you know, story arc, and I think that's totally fine. It's he did it his way, and uh, you know, I I think that ending could have been stuck a little bit harder, but. No part of it was bad at all. Like this is a fantastic eight issue series that will it's sell. It's been entertaining the whole time and compelling. I yeah, he he had me hooked and totally in when he had that Harley Quinn reveal. With this, in, she says in the like word issue shit? two. Oh. No, and in issue two, when when we find out that there are actually literally two different Harley Quinns. Yeah. That was that's the smartest way I think you can deal with her character shift I, in yeah, the last five years. One of the smartest things that DC has allowed happen for sure. But this is obviously in a very different universe, and I don't think we're gonna get that integrated no. into canon. Yeah, it's a cool homunculus of a of a world. Like he kind of made a patchwork version of the Batman universe, but it really works out. It's a really cool and unique thing. And Batman has that Dracula collar. Yeah, I've been considering, even though it's not labeled as such, I've been considering this an Elseworlds story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Joker yeah. is not Jack Napier in the main universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Who is Jack Napier? He's the guy I'm from Jack. the Batman eighty nine. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is the Joker from Batman eighty nine. Yeah. The movie. Yeah. Okay. Jack Nicholson plays Jack Napier who And that's the only time he's been referred to that name. I think so. Jack Napier maybe showed up as a character who maybe killed Bruce's parents, but he he's as far as I know, he hasn't been the Joker outside of that story. Okay. And then this story. Yeah, because they went back to his parents' killer being Joe Chill. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I don't know. I give um, this issue an eight, and I give the series as a whole uh, 8.5. I think this is like a, a really, really good book, and I can't think of a ton of books in the last five years that have come out that I think will stand alone really, really well as an independent like graphic novel you can just sell to people. I would give this issue a seven, and I would give this series an eight and a half. Mm-hmm. I think... It's not as rare for me to find a Batman story that I think is essential as it is for me to find a Superman story that I think is essential, but this stands with the Max Landis American Alien series for me yeah. as far as like a modern Batman story or a modern Superman story that you should probably have read this by now. <laughs> it's going to go on my my shelf of essential Batman stories. J-Doggy? Um, yeah, I would give it... This issue was seven. I thought he was. It was a little clumsy. Um, a lot of the intrigue for me was like Joker subverting his attack on Batman and kind of creating. Because I just think like Batman as a character could do a lot of a lot better things to help the community. You know, water quality, poverty. You know, all these kinds of things that none would, of those are worth being comic books. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like. Uh, Napier going that route and at- attacking Batman from that like realistic standpoint. You should be water filter man. Yeah. <laughs> I just like Bruce Wayne as a character could actually be a really good person for a community and Batman's just the silly thing. So like Joker kind of realizing like, you're crazy as everyone else was a really cool concept to me. Um, and then it kind of went quickly back into a pretty typical Batman story. But there have been really... The Harley thing was so cool. Um, so I would say this issue is a seven. I felt like Alfred dying was like this crazy pivotal thing. And it didn't... And I missed two issues. So I don't know how much... It didn't fuck with Batman enough. It should have fucked with it Batman. It didn't fuck with him enough. But I do think that it was a really good death. I yeah. really liked the way that he died. I think that you know if it were a monthly comic book, like an ongoing series, it would have been months of dealing with that. I'm glad they didn't do that. I, I really liked the way Alfred died in this. I agree. I just thought that the rant, like the consequences and the impact on everybody, um, would have been a little handled a handled no, I, a different. I, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, but I overall I think it was a really. I mean, this was a book that got me really excited for a Batman story in a really long time, and kind of was able to get me back into the the Batosphere, and. <laughs> Barbatosphere. Barbatosphere. So, yeah, I would say this issue is seven overall, an eight. So, that brings us to the end of our merry uh, adventure down the lane that is comic books. And, Justin, do you want to, what do you got, buddy? What do you want to sign out on? Can you guys imagine if we were the Beatles and we just had to pretend to like to be in the same room together to get that that paycheck? (coughs) Well, that's pretty much what they were at the end. By the end, yeah. Oh my God! Are we at the end? Are you no. trying to say that Santa Claus? <laughs> no, he's now saying like, thank God, we don't hate each other. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying like, 
it feels good to hang out with everybody. Yeah. Just kind of kick back and talk a bunch of shit. Justin, are we going to see you again at some point? Yes. Will you come back and visit us? I will. But, I should be. But I'm concerned next time, you know, find a rest stop or a gas station. Take crap. No. No, you should. There's all sorts of Freudian, Freudian stuff built into that I know, that I, I worry about. I know. I'm going to turn myself into a saint. <laughs> I'm going to leave all of the poop inside <laughs> and it will turn my no hollow No will bleed into the world ever again. I will be filled with gold. <laughs> and I will only fill the world with purity and comedy genius. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have much to end on that I'm excited to be around some more. I'm going to have a summer trip coming in. Cool. We'll be touching down there. Hopefully, maybe doing another podcast, reading some other books. Did he I'm, just say where he's going to be touching down there? Touching he's down. Be touching like, down. Yeah. Touching down there. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a moment to pitch my new comic book called yeah. The Rise of the Planet of the War of the Monkey Guys. Um, uh, they're I apes. got a co-worker I think would be into this. Yeah, it's featuring um, the main character is Bourbon Smith. And he's a mild-mannered <laughs> comic book worker who is contracted to study in a sociological study these guys called Monkey Guys. And then he figures out that it's secretly a spy job to uh, survey Monkey Guys and maybe them dealing with alien tech. And then he rebels and integrates with the Monkey Guy culture and starts being like the, uh, you, you know, the, the speaker for the Monkey Guys. And they rebel and eventually it leads to this alien tech, which is the monolith from right, 2001 right, right, Space right. Odyssey. So like and the, yeah, and those monkeys are there. And then you figure out that those monkeys are actually creating a teleporting device to the planet of the apes where the war Oh, of, my God, you're going to you know, tie into the planet of the apes? Yeah, so it's oh the rise of the God. war of the, the... The rise of the planet of, of the war of the monkey guys. On the planet wow. of the apes. On the planet of the apes, starring Bourbon Smith as lead monkey guy. Or maybe, what if you change it from Bourbon to just Brad? Yeah, Brad Smith. That's a pretty heroic name. Yeah, yeah, Brad. You guys, like, stop picking on these, like, monkey guys. They're allowed to, like, monkey guy stuff. <laughs> Says Brad. <laughs> Brad. Uh, Justin. Brad. Yeah. Do you remember today when we were eating at Fiamma Burger outside? And mm, yes. this dude walked up to us. Oh, yeah. And he said... Hey, <laughs> 56 years 56 old. 56 years old, and I look better than Brad Pitt, huh? <laughs> and we said, yeah. Kind of just wanting him to go away, and he walked away, and then he turned around, and he goes, yeah, give me a hug, guys. And he, like, <laughs> grabbed both of our shoulders. Triple and hug. Triple hug is what he said. And he made us hug his head. And then when he walked away, Justin said, Brad Pitt shit his pants. <laughs> 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 yeah, it like brown all over there. I was like, yeah, I said something like, "Does Brad Pitt still look pretty with shit pants or something like that?" It was sweet. Uh, I'm Jeff, wow. and I'm on the verge of well, shooting my pants. Welcome back home, Justin. <laughs> I'm Django. I've shit my pants fewer times than Jeff. That's most people have. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I'm yeah, I'm Roman. I've shit my pants fewer times than Jeff. <laughs> and I'm Justin, the patron shit of the, the patron. <laughs> Fuck, I'm Justin. <laughs> and I'm Jeff. I shit my pants. <laughs> I don't shit for love. <laughs> and, dude, and also, thanks, everybody, for letting us have a real long episode. You this... know, you can always pause it 
and come back. You don't have to eat it all at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like whatever. Yeah. It's not that hard to pause a podcast. It holds your spot. Yeah, I'm not going to. Sometimes you got to poop and then you got to yeah, go I'm do stuff so you come back. I'm riding the wave of Justin's energy. You could think of them yeah. as pause cast. Oh. oh, I got a question. Yeah, <laughs> do you guys ever listen to music or podcasts while you poop? Not Podcasts. not not in your pants, but like when you're pooping normal. <laughs> when I'm pulling a Brad Pitt, uh, when I'm pulling a Brad shit, I, uh, I, uh, I I I will generally either have a podcast on or uh, just looking at the news on my phone. But I'm a I'm a quick shit. Power shitter. I, I often want to. A power but bottom, if you will. Here's where my anxiety of mine comes in. I want to, but my my immediate neighbor, his their bedroom backs up against my bathroom wall, and I know if I'm in there listening to something. They might be in their bedroom wondering why the hell's he? What's he in there like listening to for like half an hour what's on the he shitter? Building? I just want to live beneath that room. I listen to oh, a podcast yeah, while I shower. I don't listen to a podcast while I poop. It's a it's a rule. I also, as we've discussed, take off whatever the top layer of clothing is before I poop. Man, they like thanked me for listening <laughs> for the whole thing, and then they talked about how they poop for four minutes and just kept going. Like, why did I keep listening? Listen, we dare you to keep listening to us talk about poop. I dare you to stop. I hope. You-